people of the world, welcome to Marketing as a Foreign Language. This the 305th episode. As I've mentioned many times before, I'm kind of a spiritual guy. I believe that there are no coincidences. And I was chatting with our guest today, Rev Ciancio, uh, and I was just top to bottom impressed. Impressed because as the owner of a digital advertising agency for now six years, um, I know, and then you know, many years before that, um, that restaurants are just so, so, so difficult to get right for marketing. Um, as Rev mentioned backstage, we're talking like 10, 10 to 12% margins, 20% if you're lucky. Um, you can have a ton of social media followers. You can have a bunch of people coming to the restaurant and you can still be hemorrhaging money. It can look like it's doing great. So operations on a restaurant side is very difficult business. Not to mention, we didn't even get into this, but like food waste and managing just the fact that, you know, like that's a cow you got there. Like you don't want that to go bad. And you got all, it's just, it's very, very challenging. And then of course you throw in the pandemic and that's just absolute madness. We also talked about his over 700,000 followers over multiple social media platforms, um, much of which is curating content. So I hope we get into that conversation today so you can get a sense of what that means, um, but also just developing a personality and then ultimately getting to what works for you because Rev started in the music industry poured it over to restaurants because as a kid, like rest, the, just restaurants were part of his family culture. And then finding out that maybe operations in a restaurant wasn't his jam and realizing that he's good at marketing. So it's just one of those classic human stories of you have to follow the reality. <laughs> like what is real? You're real good at marketing restaurants. Well, why don't you start a business and do that for a living? Ladies and gentlemen, I could not be more thrilled to announce our guest today. The one, the only Rev Sensio. Hey, what's happening? Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. Dude. So I always get a sense backstage of just like the energy, you know, of, of a person. And, and uh, I'm just thrilled to have you on the show. Well, thank you. It's an honor. You're like, who is this guy from playing with fidget spinners and wearing a Hawaiian shirt? Like, all right, that's me. <laughs> let's go. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that sort of really deep seated psychological um, past motivation of growing up with restaurants. So give me that and then give me how that matters today with the clients you have. Uh, it's a good, it's a great conversation. Sorry. I appreciate that. I like, I was telling you before, and I, I love the idea that we're online and there's a backstage uh, cause I come from the music business where there actually was a backstage. <laughs> it's my imaginary backstage. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's in that room. Um, fun story. Uh, I managed a band once. We'll depart here for a quick second. I used to manage a, a heavy metal band, uh, and they got invited to play Jimmy Fallon show. Right. And so, you know, when you're on Jimmy Fallon show, you get put into your little backstage room or whatever. Then the greeter comes and gets you and brings the stage, whatever. Well, we're, we're in our green room hanging out, and apparently the band went to college with Jimmy, so they'd known him for years and years and years and years. He worked the door at some club they used to play in Albany. I don't know the story. Anyway, before the band goes to stage, the commercial break before that, Jimmy goes live, and he's like, hey, come up next on the Jimmy Found the Tonight Show. It's such and such a band. And like they cut to that band's green room, and they're like, hey, I can't wait to go on, right? Well, unbeknownst to me, my band decided to trash the dressing room so that when Jimmy cut over and Jimmy's like sitting at his desk and throws it over live, they're in there like smashing couches and breaking TVs and stuff. And like, 
I'm in the audience at this point because I'm not backstage. I'm like waiting for them to go on. And they go live in studio and I see what's going on. I'm just like, like, what? what? So Jimmy doesn't see it. The band comes out. They like play it while Jimmy's, while they're playing, they show Jimmy the clip like, yo, this band totally botched your green room. Like, what's up? And so after the show, like I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, here comes a $15,000 bill and we're getting sued by NBC. And like, I like, I'm totally afraid of what's going on. And so we're, I'm just sitting in the room, just like sweating bullets. And the band's like kind of laughing. I was like, I don't know how you guys can be laughing. Anyway, like knocking the door opens and it's like Jimmy Fallon. I was like, here it goes. He sticks his head and he goes, that was awesome. Let's trash the rest of the room. And he like comes in and it's like, it's like unbelievable, man. It was such a fun moment. <laughs> I am, I'm saying, because as you were telling that story, I thought to myself, Jimmy knows what good content is. Right? He and does. and at the highest levels... It's just material, right? Because you look at their numbers. They're like, bro, for a skit, we, we'll spend 100 Gs on that thing over there and 150 to do this thing over there. Like, what's what's a trash green room? Who, who cares? Yeah, so, so sorry. I, I totally departed from answering the question you wanted to answer, but I thought that was a funny story since we were on the uh, on the tip of, of being backstage. Uh, but but more so to answer your question. So, you know, I, you know, when I was a kid, like, we went out to eat. Like I got a good grade. We went out to eat. It was somebody's birthday. We went out to eat. You know, my mom and dad were bored. We went out to eat. Like going out to eat at restaurants was such like a center point of activity for how my family like interacted with each other. And especially my dad loved to eat out. Like I just grew up thinking going to restaurants was like celebratory. Right. And so when you grow up with something that just makes you happy, it becomes part of your life. Uh, you know, moving down the line at some point, I was in the, I was saying I was in the music business for a while managing bands. Um, and I just became obsessed with hospitality. Like I loved, but here's the story. So, you know, I work with these bands that would tour the world and I would travel with them. Right. And like, you know, we're playing a show in London, we're on in LA, we're in Vegas, we're going to Japan, whatever. And I would get to these towns in these other States and countries. And my first priority other than, you know, getting the band, whatever they needed was like, where are we eating? And it like became this thing where I was like, oh, we're eating everywhere we go. And I was exploring the world through food. And, and so I'm really sort of rambling at this point. But like, I just love restaurants. Like, I just absolutely love, I love the plight of the restaurant owner. I love the hospitality. I love the service. I love how it brings people together. And even like, a, you know, the, the ritual of your morning coffee can bring brightness to your day. So I just love restaurants, man. I love it. You know, I, I really do. I mean, I, I have some pretty far out theories running through my head about love um, as the the basis of, of the fabric of the universe. But um, yes, I, I agree. I, you know, it's one of my favorite, favorite human beings. And I don't judge him for a millisecond on how he chose to depart this particular incarnation is Anthony Bourdain. Like, love that guy. Love, you know, and a lot of these like Hindu teachers and stuff, because I'm Mr. Like hippie spiritual guy is... <laughs> is um they're like they'll ask you know like oh oh here's a good story so there's this guy named ram das and he's he's talking to his guru and his guru's like oh your mom is a she's a really powerful spirit and ram's like he's like yeah but she but she's dead she was he's like no she is right it, it's just that little flip like you can't go anywhere man like it just is what it is and so all of these interactions you've had with all these incredible people they, they've resulted in this this love for that particular form the form of a restaurant the experience of a restaurant and um i mean i feel the love that you have for it 
um, because it really it was it was pulling you all around the world. And, and as a, a great band manager, what better motivator can you have than like, hey, guys, we're in London. Let's we're going to eat here. Right. And like that is so important for the um, for the the bonding and, and everything that you experienced as a kid. So those were billable hours when you were six. <laughs> <laughs> I've never put it that way before, but I'm going to now. <laughs> So now in, in the act of service, which is love, right? You, you, are, you are giving to these restaurants um, this wisdom of like, okay, I'm going to try to keep you alive here and make you successful. So walk me through that. So if, you're, I, if one of the listeners out there is a restaurant owner and they're going, yeah, give me the juice. What is it? So, uh, you know, I'm a hospitality marketing consultant. I primarily help restaurants with acquisition and retention marketing. Right. Most restaurants, independent operators uh, up to the, you know, the the largest of multi-unit brands are not great at marketing. Okay, they're great at operations. They're great at hospitality. They're great at you walk through the door and we're going to make sure that you have an incredible experience. Right. They're great at making sure like the, the all the employees are managed and that like there's food coming in the back door that they, you know, and they're good at writing standard operating procedures for cooking whatever dish like they're good at operations. When marketing is something they stumble on. And look, I don't want to take away. There's some incredible, incredible, incredible marketers out there in the restaurant business. But as a whole, it's a business that just hasn't until even very recently prioritized what marketing means. Right. And marketing has been disconnected from a lot of things. When I owned a bar, we were actually horrible operators, horrible. We lost tons of money, but I became really good at marketing. And so that's when I was like, I'm going to dedicate myself to this. Um, and look, here's the other thing. It's 2021, right? We're still in the middle of the pandemic. There's still COVID or whatever. And, you know, we lost a lot of restaurants in the middle of this. But if anything, like I feel bad for people that lost their lives, especially, and people that lost their businesses. But if you go look at the data, and there's articles out there that tell you this, prior pan to the pandemic, there were more restaurants in America than there was available businesses to fuel them. Meaning there weren't enough mouths to eat at all the restaurants that were there. So we were headed for some sort of reckoning anyway. It just was going to go a lot slower, right? And all the pandemic did was two things. It pressed the gas down on who we were, we were going to atrophy, who we were going to lose in that anyway, right? And it sped up the dial on being able to market better, to market at a one-to-one -one level, and to adapt technology, right? And again, I don't want to sound like I'm grateful for the pandemic because that's not the vibe I'm putting out here, but like, the things that happened to the restaurant business because of the pandemic were coming anyway, right? Mm. And I think on the other side of this, hospitality and service are going to be better because restaurants now are adopting the idea that we have this in our hands all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? For a long time, restaurants did not want to market to you on your phone while you're sitting there. And now they, they kind of have to, right? And so, you know, again, I have a tendency to go long, but Restaurants overcomplicate marketing. They overcomplicate it or they don't do it. There are four main ways in a digital universe where consumers find restaurants for. Okay, there's lots of ways, but there's four main ways. I'm gonna go can I go through them real quick? Please. Okay, number one, word of mouth, right? I ate somewhere, I liked it. Well, what does word of mouth look like in 2021? It comes in two forms. Okay. It's me leaving a review on Google or Yelp. And then you as the restaurant owner or marketer replying to me and sharing my review. Okay. 
What is the other form of word of mouth in 2021 for a restaurant? Social media. If I come into the restaurant and you get me to post on Instagram about the food or experience I had, and then you share it to your stories or you retweet me or your Facebook page, you're thanking me. You're getting me to tell my friends and you're letting me speak on your behalf. So that's word of mouth. Number one, number two. Okay. How do, how do consumers find restaurants in 2021? Third party. Okay. Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Caviar, whatever one you use. Consumers go onto those and they search what they want to eat and they order. Okay. So it means you have to be optimized on those things. But most restaurants, especially independent operators, they're paying 30 to 35% commission to Grubhub. It's terrible. It's horrible. And you're, the customer is really not yours. It's Grubhub's. You're just doing fulfillment. You're just putting wings in a bag and sending them off. Okay. I don't recommend that restaurants optimize third party unless they have a system for conversion, which is the consumer orders one time from DoorDash and they order from you on all the other ones. Now you're in their database. Now you're in their email, right? And you're now you're their customer. So you got to convert. Okay. So word of mouth. Okay. Third party. Number three. Okay. This is the biggest one. And so many restaurants screw this up. Okay. You're going to know exactly what I'm talking about here. Okay. What do consumers do when they're hungry and they don't know where they're going to get their next meal? We go to Google. Or we go to yeah, Google. Yeah, yeah. Google. Right? We go to Google. Best pizza near me or, you know, uh, gluten-free pizza, whatever. We go to search. Okay. And optimizing for search is, a, is, a, is, a, is something you do with listings management, updating your information on Google being Yelp, Yahoo, Foursquare. I know you know what I'm talking about, but... If you're not optimizing for search, you're missing about 68% of restaurant discovery. Some people say, I just got off the phone, my friend Brett at Dineline, and he says it's 92%. But the point is, is like, if you're not optimized for search, when somebody has, you know, their wallet in their hand and they're looking for food, you lose. Okay. So you got word of mouth, you got third party, you got search. What's the fourth major one? You want to guess? Um, no, I don't want to guess. <laughs> It is paid advertising, right? Oh, paid, sure. It is, it is, and it's specific Facebook and Instagram. Yep. Okay, there is no cheaper, faster, more scalable, better way to target people who would like your service or food that live or work within a three mile radius of your store than Facebook and Instagram advertising. And so, if you're a restaurant in 2021 and beyond, you got them those four channels. Focus your efforts there. Word of mouth online. Convert from third party. Manage your, you know, be searchable and advertise. And if you do that, there's a lot of other things you can do. But if you do that, your acquisition is going to go way up. I love it. I love it. I wrote down a couple of things while you were talking. The first is uh, suffering is grace, which is um, nobody wants to hear it. Me least of all. Um, when, when I'm going through something and then someone comes up to you and they're like, Oh no, it's actually like, it's for your, it's for the best. And you're just like, shut up. Just would you please? But it's still true. Like we may not want to hear it in the moment, but suffering is grace. It increases our compassion. It makes us smarter and it helps with empathy. Um, if you believe in the soul, right? If you think you're just a body, then no, it's terrible, <laughs> right? It's just bad because you're breaking down. Um, but if you believe in something beyond that, then it's grace. And then when it comes to Google My Business, um, I often tell people what I'll what I'll say is, do me a favor, go go Google yourself and pull up your Google My, my Business listing. I'm like, okay. And then I said, now go click on Ask a Question. And they're like, okay. And then I say, type in, why are my burritos so hot? And this is for a plumber. And they're like, I'm not going to write that. I'm like, yes, anyone can write anything they want here. 
anyone can write anything they want here. Good luck getting it taken down. It could be completely irrelevant. It could be the ramblings of a madman <laughs> and in the question and answer section. Um, and so I say, why don't you have a friend, a colleague, a parent, a relative write, oh, I don't know, 20 questions here? And then why don't you long form answer all of those questions? Do you guys have gluten pizza? You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that we do have gluten pizza. You know what I mean? And then you just, you hammer those keywords in a flowing, normal, whatever kind of way, not S SEO spammy way, but you just hit those keywords. And because I'll look at like restaurant after restaurant or whatever, and they think that that question, question and answer section is not available to them. It is. And so that that's a huge piece of the puzzle that I see almost nobody doing. And then I'm going to I'm going to steal that move from you. Take it. Take it cuz it's it's literally content on on the platform. I mean you, you talk about 92%, 60%. It's like you could add 10,000 words in questions and answers and have people like like the question like the whatever and then boom like and yeah, you look at all the competitors, none of them are doing it. Um, so make that your fact section, right? If you have a fact section, just have some employee write write the questions, you know, four, five, six questions. Um, and then the other thing is Google My Business posts. A lot of people just don't touch them. They don't play in that space. They should. They go, well, they go away after a certain amount of time. Everything goes away. Like the internet is like, you could have the top ranking anything right now in like two months from now, it's not gonna be. Like everything is transient. So this idea of it being evergreen forever is a little bit, you know, unrealistic. Yeah, I tell I tell my restaurant clients like, look, if somebody is on your knowledge card, like if they've landed on your Google My Business profile, they're at the bottom of the funnel, right? They're, they're past the consideration set. Like they're they're either going to order from you or not. So what can you do to like flip them over? And so what what my clients do will put up a Google post that has a first time order offer. So okay. if you've never ordered from the restaurant before, we'll give you like ten percent off. And then we use like a unique code there so we can track uh, redemptions specifically from that. So that code's not available. So we literally on a weekly basis go into our dashboard and go, okay, how many people use the Google My Business code? No, we don't get a lot. We don't. But we, when we see them, we're like, ah, we got one. Like yeah. we might have lost that person. But, you know, it, it, and we give it to them not every time, only their first order. It's an acquisition, right? It's an mm. acquisition cost. So keep moving. I love Google posts. No, I love that. So I don't, I don't fully understand that. So, so on Google posts, you say, here's a code. If you, oh, because the only way they can see it is if it's in a Google post and then you just yeah, rotate yeah, so it every see, week. Yeah. So they're on our GMB page and the bottom says, get 10% off your first order. Click here. They go in and we have the code inside the Google, my po business post, you know, and it's like Google first time or something like that. They take that code, they go to our online ordering, which we also have a link to online ordering in there. And then they click, use the code, and then we're tracking the code. And then how do you how do you make sure that they can't use the next week's code by Googling, finding next week's code, punch it in? So we don't change the code. The code's always like, you know, Google first or whatever. Okay. Uh, and then most uh, online ordering systems that a restaurant could use have a first time order code feature that like oh. one, once a user has it, they can't use it again. Okay, so, I love that. Now, look, you can game the system, and I probably shouldn't say these things out loud, but, you know, you you could go create a fake email and a fake credit card, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you know, my, my my thoughts on that is, like, well, if you're willing to go that far to order a cheeseburger again, we'll just, that's fine. For 10%? Because you're saving, how much are you saving? 60 yeah, cents? Like, yeah, cents. Like at least we retained you. So, like, if you want, if you need to go through that type of effort to get another 10% off a of burger and fries, then you probably need it. So That's exactly right. I was uh, every now and then I will, I will do faith in humanity experience experiments um, where like, for example, I had a tea set that 
it's it's an expensive tea set. It's like two hundred and fifty dollars. Super nice um, Chinese kung fu tea. And I was hanging out in the park with someone, and we we're having a good time. And I didn't want to like deconstruct the whole thing, and we were gonna go take a walk. And I was like, "We'll just leave it. It's fine." And she was like, "Yeah, but it seems really nice. Are you sure you want to do that?" And, and I said, "Every now and then, I'll do these humanity experiment experiments." <laughs> You know, it's like faith in humanity. Like if it's gone and someone needs this tea set, they need to hawk my tea set because they think stealing a tea set in the middle of a park is like the, the move for them for that day, then they can have it, you know, then they can have it. And and it's not worth it to me to go pack this up. I'd rather spend more time with you. Like let's go take the walk. So we take the walk, we come back. And when it's there, you get that, you know, you get that sense of like, it's not all bad. You know what I mean? It's not all bad. So just put a little bit of faith in people, you know? It's like when you lose your wallet and somebody mails it back to you and none of the money is missing, you're like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, more of that, right? Um, okay, so let's talk about your own personal marketing. I'm curious. So so you're the guru. You got it all nailed down. You've been you know, restaurant guy since birth. You're the angel of restaurants. Um, you're very kind. Thank you. <laughs> I wouldn't and, say that about me, but I will accept it being said about me. That's exactly right. Just let it in. Let it, you know, just let it flow <laughs> over you. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, you, you got to find these people and, and sales, like people have got that barrier because they, they need to protect their revenue. If we said yes to every offer that came through our lives would be broke, you know? Um, and so how do you chat with these folks? How do you find them? How do you get clients? It's a great question. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what my answer is. Somebody will tell me that there's a better way to do it. Right. Uh, what I can tell you is, so I, I do a couple of things that I think are pretty well, for sure could be done better. Um, I create a lot of content, a lot. Uh, and so I'm updating Instagram on four of my accounts every single day, but on my main account at least every other day. So let's say I'm putting up a post four times a week on Instagram. One out of four of those pieces of content is about my business. It's about why people hire me, what I do, how I can help you with thought leadership. Okay. The other three are about restaurants and how much I love them. So three of those are building up trust around that. I care about restaurants. The other shows that I actually how to make your restaurant better. So it's content. Okay. Number one, number two. And again, I'm, you know, pat myself on the back a little bit. I'm a pretty good networker, right? Pretty good. I maintain relationships. I follow up with people. I stay in touch. Posting content is really just a way to uh, remind people you exist. Right? It's not necessarily, the content should be good, but what I'm saying is some people just need to see your name. Those two things alone is constantly updating social media, right? And then being a good networker and following up with people has, has me with an inbox full of opportunity, right? Now on that as well, I host a webinar every other week. In fact, I'm doing a webinar in an hour, right? So I'm always putting out content out there that where I'm capturing your email address. I've put out four eBooks this year, right? So I also maintain a database of people who have interacted with me in some form where I've captured their email address. They might, I have some online courses, I have a paid mastermind group, but I have 20,000 people in an email database who hear from me at least once a week. And whether I'm inviting them to check out a podcast I'm on or I'm sending them a new ebook, or I just like have this helpful tip is I communicate through content and the, that's it. That's really it. You know, do I, you know, do I regularly, do I have tools that I use to help me follow people? Yes. You know, do, am I using CRM like tactics? Yes. Like, you know, do I look at my analytics on LinkedIn? I do, but it's really just about sharing content and being a good networker. 
So it, it to me, it sounds like you've got the um, like the financial, like all of the the, the success things. You 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 got them right. You could check them off. And for you, maybe you might go like, no, actually, like for me, it's the, whatever. But from the outside perspective, it's like check, 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 right on all those boxes. Um, so given that fact, is this your spiritual path then? I mean, is this because people refer to this as like a dharma, right? This is my dharma. My dharma is doing this food thing. And it's, you know, this is my my way. I'll tell you a story. So if you didn't tell, I have lots of stories. Uh, February 26th of 2020. Okay. I was the CMO for a, a very successful software company, $44 million in ANR. They're big, right? That company got bought by TripAdvisor three months prior to that moment. And we were in the moment where they're integrating the two companies. So you have two staffs, two products, and they're trying to figure out like, how do we make these, these two things work together? So on February 26th of 2020, I'm at the TripAdvisor offices just outside of Boston, along with my boss, who's the CEO. Okay, We're not there for the same reason. We just happen to be there on the same day. We're, we're at the TripAdvisor office. He's taking the train home. I'm taking the plane home. It's like, cool. I'll see you in the office tomorrow morning, right? I get it the next morning, February 27th of 2020, I walk into the office. Now, what I didn't know is my CEO got a phone call that night from his boss at TripAdvisor. On February 26th of 2020, TripAdvisor in one day lost an unbelievable amount of money. Why? So we're going into a global pandemic. People aren't going to China at that time. They're not going to Italy. They're not leaving borders. TripAdvisor is a travel company. Well, my boss gets told by his boss, tomorrow morning, 60% 60% of senior management has to be let go. So February 27th, I'm going to work like it's any other day. And my boss is going to work knowing he has to let go almost the entire senior management staff, head of IT, head of finance, head of basically if you were not a revenue generating title. So the head of sales, head of customer service, you got let go. And just to impact like how serious this was after the head of HR, let us all go. She had to let herself go. Right. And so my boss, who's the CEO, is still a very good friend of mine, says to me, he's like, dude, it's not performance-based. Like, you're awesome. We love you, but what are we going to do? So I went back to my desk, and I'm packing up my desk, and I'm like, what do most people do now? They freak out. How am I going to pay my mortgage? And I got health care. What am I going to do? It's my job. And now add a global pandemic on top of that. Like, my entire core is ready to just, like, crawl into a corner and fall into pieces and cry. Because, like, what do you do? Right? If losing a job isn't already hard enough, we're in a global pandemic. And I said, you know what? Hold yourself together. Like you'll figure this out. I had a severance package. So I knew I was like, you know, I'll figure it out. No joke. While I was packing my desk, I'm literally putting stuff into bags. I'm texting and calling people I know going, Hey, I'm going to start consulting. Do you need help with anything? And one of my friends who owns 14 restaurants, he's like, can you be here in an hour? Yeah. Grabbed my bags, went right up to his office. And then that day I got my first consulting client, three hours a week, right? It's not going to pay for my rent or my mortgage. But I said, you know what? It's a sign. I can do this. I will go be a consultant until I get a new job. And at that point, we all thought the pandemic was going to be like three months, maybe 30 days. So like, whatever, I got I got runway in my severance. Long story short, Within about six months, I more than replaced my corporate salary as a, as a consultant. And since that time, I've doubled it, right? But I never gave up. I never lost faith. And I, you know, to really answer your question a bit more directly, uh, I look at me being let go from that job as my holy reckoning. 
Okay. Had that, had that, had that not happened, had I not been let go and had I not decided that I was not going to give up and I was not going to master my own destiny, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So I'm, I'm grateful for that happening to me. Uh, and I'm grateful for me saying, you know what? I got faith in myself. Yeah. Yeah. Suffering is grace. Um, so yeah. And the, and then to everyone out there who had the opposite story of, you know, like it, 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 it just rocked me and, and my things are not as good and it's re and you're depressed and it's, it's the, the curriculum of humanity is it's exquisite. It's exquisite. It's like this thing that we're in is going to put in front of you just the most insane challenges. And it's going to, it's going to force you to grow and change and be in ways that, that at least for me are almost impossible to imagine. Like, I, like the future to me, it's, I can like pretend and, and, you know, do all the stuff in that creative part of my mind, but I do sit back sometimes and just go, Holy shit. <laughs> like this thing is wild. It's wild. So I'm so happy. I'm so happy that that is how it turned out for you. Thank and you. Yeah. I, I always like to say, uh, see the content of your life as the curriculum of your own evolution. See the content of your life as the curriculum of your own evolution. See, there you go, folks. Um, if that doesn't do it for you, I don't know what will. Ladies and gentlemen, marketing is a foreign language, 1030 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you're like most folks listening to us after the fact, iTunes, Spotify, you know we love you. Why don't you swing by youtube.com forward slash Senate Rising. Hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed the content that you heard today. Um, what an incredible interview. I want to make sure that Rev gets the final word. Go ahead, Rev. Word of wisdom. Uh, the final word is pizza because that's my religion. All right, there you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, simpler, more concise words have never been spoken. All right, we'll talk to y'all later.